Hello everyone, my name is Philippe and this is the podcast Life with AI. The podcast that we talk about artificial intelligence in a simpler way. And for today's episode, I'm going to talk about Transformers. I was like thinking if I would do or not this episode in English because a lot of stuff that I'm going to say here is it, it's in my senior deep learning engineer interview. But whatever, like if the guy listened to my, my podcast, it'd be interest or something. So it doesn't matter that some of the questions will be here. Anyways, uh, so if you are a candidate and you are hearing this episode, then you're going to do this interview. You're like, <laughs> so you have some answers anyways so basically the goal of this episode is to talk about transformers i'm gonna try to like give you as most as i can of my knowledge and yeah that's it basically this so first of all like uh, the big paper of like the age of ai is attention is all you need there are some other papers that are super important and attention is all you need is among them one of the most important and uh, basically what it does is that it's the first time that they made the attention mechanism the only thing that we need to process text like the previous architectures they were based on recurrent neural networks you had the rnns lstms and so on and what people were doing is that they were putting the attention mechanism above the the lstm and then in this paper what they did is they said okay we don't need the recurrency mechanism anymore that has a lot of problems that i'm going to explain later we can only use attention and that's all you need so let's see uh why attention is all we need and why does this paper is so important like of course why it's important because it's behind every every single model but like what's happening behind it so what is the input of a transformer it's a token it's not a text because the algorithm like no algorithm can never understand text it can only understand numbers so to pass the text into numbers we have something called tokenization that we pass the text into a vocabulary that there is basically a vector of i don't know like 50,000 positions and then from the index of the vocabulary that corresponds to the token you have the embedding space that is a semantic representation of this word or this token. Uh, it's, it's also important to say that like token is not a word, but it's a subword representation. Uh, there are multiple ways of training. We say training the tokenizer, but it's not actually training. It's like kind of information retrieval. But anyways, we can say train the tokenizer. So there is not the idea of backpropagation and so on, but we can say training anyways. There are some techniques. One of them is byte pair encoding. And, and basically what what we need to do is that we take a huge corpus like millions or billions of words and then we split word by word and then we split character by character so vocabulary that we are building is basically the least amount of tokens that we need to be able to fill this uh, this corpus again so we start with only characters so we need a lot of stuff to fill it and then we're gonna merge characters into pairs of characters into triplets of characters and the goal in the end is to minimize the number of tokens to fill the entire corpus. Uh, like in general words, that's a tokenizer. And then after we have a token, ah, and uh, actually one interesting thing about tokenization is that languages that are less represented in the corpus will be harder to be represented by the tokenizer. There was a study made, I think it was with English and Indie and, or, or Japanese, I don't know, but they saw that for English, the amount of tokens that you need against Indie or, or Japanese is way less because English is way more represented. So why is it a problem? First, because you need less tokens to represent a sentence. So when you use a ChatGPT-like API that you pay by token, it's going to be more expensive. Like if uh, for, for Indie, you need two times more tokens to represent the same sentence, it's going to cost you twice the price uh, of English. And also as it's less represented, you, the model needs more stuff. And also there is it's harder to generate the token, which means that uh, the language will have uh, like a lower precision 
decision or something. And of course, we all know that English, like ChatGPT, as its best is in English, of course, because there is more data in English than in the other languages. Okay, so this is the first part of the input. Uh, there are the tokens, but and, and then we put this token in the embedding space that, as I explained, it's a semantical representation of, of the, the word uh, slash subword. And uh, what is the idea of re semantical representation? Like you, you have a king and queen, they are both like in the vocabulary and there is no sense of distance in a vocabulary. Like they are far because one starts with Q and the other starts with K. But anyways, there is no sense of distance in a vocabulary. But in the embedding space, both king and queen gonna be close because they represent semantically like similar stuff. And then if you put like king and car, like they are super far. There is no semantical relationship. So this is the embedding space. And when we go to transformers, we need to include something else that is called the position encoding. What is the position encoding? So before understanding why we need to put to position encoding, we can go back to LSTMs and RNNs, like the recurrent models, and understand what is the inductive bias. Because on LSTMs, on RNNs, we have the inductive bias of the position, of the order of the words uh, slash tokens, because to process the second token, we need to have processed the first one first. So basically in an RNN, you process the first one, uh, the output of this one goes to the second, and then you process the output of the first with the second, and you do the same with the third, fourth, fifth, and so on. So there is intrinsically like the idea of position in, a, in an RNN. So this is the inductive bias that transformers, they don't have. Why? Because there is no like order. The multi-head attention, like the attention mechanism that I will explain later, it can access any part and give like one attention to like, doesn't matter. So like there, there's no order. And it's also funny because if you switch the orders, like if, if there is no position encoded and you switch the order of the tokens, the output going to be the same. Of course, the attention matrix is going to be different, but the output is the same because it doesn't matter the, the, the position. And then uh, to solve this problem, because the text has a positional like stuff uh, meaning in, inside it, they included something called position encoding. Uh, in the paper, attention is all you need. The positional encoding is basically a sinus and a cosinus. So when it's like odd or even is sinus or cosinus, and they basically do the sinus of the position divided by a number. So this one is a fixed uh, formula of position encoding. You can use another formula or you can even train a position encoding. Both are possible. And uh, in this paper, they use a fixed one that is sinus and cosinus. And then we go to this next part that is actually the most important one. What is the attention mechanism? And uh, for the first time of the podcast, I will enter a little bit into the math of the, the attention mechanism. Like I, I will explain the formula, at, at least try to explain because in voice is super hard. And I would like you guys to let me know if it was good. Like I'm going to put the, the question and if you can answer like, what do you think about this episode? Uh, like explaining technically with a little bit of math and more technically than I usually go. So I, I would appreciate it. Okay, so let's go for the attention mechanism. And before explaining the math, let's understand like the idea behind the attention mechanism. So first we have the attention vector that basically says for a token, where does it need to pay attention? And pay attention is really like the meaning of uh, what is relevant to this token itself. And then you have the self-attention that is the matrix of attentions. That is basically the attention between all the tokens to all the tokens. Uh, attention, like one attention is a vector of size n, where n is the number of tokens. There is basically for this token, the attention through all the others. And then the matrix, the attention matrix is the attention of all tokens to all tokens. So it's a matrix of size n times n. n. So uh, good. And now that we know what is the idea behind it, and also what is important to know is that the sum of uh, each row 
also like the sum of each attention is one. So it's an idea of a probability. Mm, okay, so now let's understand the math behind it. How, how do we compute this attention, uh, this attention matrix? Uh, so basically we have uh, three variables here, K, like query, key and value. So Q, K and V. And uh, well, for those who know PyTorch, when I say variable is really like a variable in PyTorch, it's basically a, like a vector of parameters. In this case, the N parameters where N is the number of tokens. And uh, the formula, like I'm going to read the full formula and then I'm going to explain step by step. So the formula of the attention, you have as input the query, the key and the value. And the output is the query matrix multiplication of the key transposed divided by the squared uh, root of the dimension of the, the key. This is like a normalization term. You apply the softmax of all of this, and then you do a matrix multiplication of the value. Now, okay, I'm super sorry if this is like too abstract because I'm just talking. So if you want to open the paper, I think it will be better, but I'm, I'm trying to do my best. So as I said, is the query matrix multiplication of the key transpose divided by the squared root of the dimension of the key. You apply a softmax on all of this, and then you do a matrix multiplication on the value. What does it mean? So you have a key query and value that they are basically a vector of size n and that are learnable parameters. Ah, so just to know how many parameters do we have in a, in a attention mechanism, we have three times n. There are the key, the, the, key, the query and the value. So first we take the, the query and I said it's a vector, but actually it's a matrix of size n uh, times one. So it's a matrix of one vector. And then you have uh, the matrix multiplication of this. So we have n times one matrix multiplication of key transpose, which means one times n. n times one multiplicated by one times n is n times n. So here we have a matrix. What is this matrix? It's basically a matrix of values saying like it's still not the attention because it's not normalized. But basically you have this matrix here of a lot of values. You normalize it by dividing by this dividing by the square root of the dimension of the key. And then you apply the softmax. What is the softmax? Is the exponential of x divided by the sum of exponentials of x. What is it? It's basically chain, like taking a vector of values and transforming it in a vector of probabilities. So if you have a vector of two positions, the first one is one and the second one, the value of the first position is one and the value of the second position is two. Once you apply the softmax, what you're going to have is 0.33 in the first and 0.66 in the second. So basically you're giving a probability given a, a set of uh, like a, a vector of values. And as I said, the sum of each row, like the sum of each attention is one because you have the notion of probability. And then you have a matrix of size n times n, and uh, you basically do a matrix multiplication with the, the value that is n times one. So the output of this is a vector of size n times one. So the input is n and the output is n, that is the number of tokens. And this is the, the attention mechanism. In practice, we don't use just one attention. There is something called a multi-head attention. So they split this into multiple heads and it's basically exactly the same, the same thing uh, computed on, on different heads. Uh, and the goal is to first to parallelize and also second, because they say that each head captures different information. How does it do it? I don't know, but that's what they explain in the paper. And okay, so basically this is the idea of attention. And what is the transformer block? You have a multi-head uh, attention, then you apply add and normalization. Add and normalization means uh, skip connection. Skip connection is an idea proposed in a HesNet that you basically take the input like 
before inputting into the layer, so before applying the, the multi-head attention, and you sum, you add in the end of the multi-head attention, and then you normalize. Well, this is just something that they see it works, and uh, that's it. And then you, there's just a feed forward with a skip connection and normalization. Feed forward is just an MLP, like a multi-layer perceptron, and that's it. So you do it multiple times, and yeah, this is this is the the transformer architecture. So in this paper, they pro they propose an encoder decoder transformer, but mainly today uh, they proposed this because the problem was translation. So encoding, you like imagine that you want to translate from from English to to Portuguese, uh, Brazilian Portuguese, of course. Proud of my country. Anyways, so uh, English to Portuguese, and then you have in the encoder you have the sentence in English that you're gonna encode, and then through this, like there is the cross attention, you're gonna decode the sentence in Portuguese. Oh uh, yeah, you're gonna decode the sentence in Portuguese. So that's it. The encoding you can do it in, in parallel because like the beginning of the sentence can see the end of the sentence, but the decoder you cannot do it because while you are decoding, you need to only look from your past. So while you're training, as you're training in parallel, uh, there is something called masked multi-head attention. That is basically the token can only have access to previous information. And what does it mean mathematically? It means that uh, the, the self-attention, the, the matrix of self-attention, you have a mask that is a triangular mask, like an inferior triangle, saying that you can only pay attention to the inferior triangle. And the superior triangle means that, like it's the future. So you cannot pay attention to the future because, well, of course, uh, otherwise it would be like tricking. <laughs> yeah, so basically that's it. This is the transformer architecture. What is important to know is that why does it change completely everything? It changed completely everything. First, because we can train in parallel while LSTMs we couldn't. Uh, also, we can have a long sentences because despite LSTM, was created to solve the long sentence, the vanishing gradient, the exploding gradient problem of RNNs. It was able to deal with longer sentence than RNNs, but not super long sentence as we have right now. Like if you have, I don't know, a hundred tokens in your sentence, when you are in the token 100, the signal of the first token is almost none by arriving in the, the hundredth taken token. But in the transformer, as we don't have this notion of order, we can't pay attention to the first token, even if we are in the, like in the token 500. I don't know. Also something interesting about the, the transformer and, and this attention mechanism is that there is a paper that came out recently called Attention Sinks that it shows that basically what the transformer does is that it, it pays attention in the previous tokens, like the previous four tokens and the first four tokens. And then all the rest, the attention is almost zero. So to improve computational costs, like to decrease computational costs, what I did is that they are basically showing to the algorithm only the first four tokens and the last four tokens. And, and this is the attention sinks uh, mechanism. I don't know if this is exactly what is behind the new paper, uh, the new algorithm of Anthropic, Cloud2, but Cloud2, I think it's 200,000 tokens, which is around like 350, 400 uh, pages of, of documents. And uh, yeah, so by having fewer tokens that you need to compute and take in, in memory, you can do more stuff, more and more, a, a bigger context life. So yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I, I think that the training of transformer the because it's parallelizable like super easy parallelizable we you can do self-supervised learning uh, for encoder we have the bird paper that proposed masked language model that is basically you mask some of the input tokens and the goal is to predict uh, the actual token that you just mask and by doing this the the model learns semantics syntactics the relationship between the the words like slash tokens and uh, and yeah so masculine feminine plural singular this kind of stuff and so this is learned through masked language model. And there is also next token. So masked language model is for 
encoder models, encoder only, like BERT, Roberta, Bart, and so on. And uh, we also have next token prediction, that is the one used in decoder only models. This is pro this was proposed in the GPT paper, and yeah, this is basically what is behind the pre-training of ChatGPT and all those uh, generative models. Is the next token prediction? You basically take a huge corpus on the internet and you make your algorithm predict the next token every time. And by doing this, uh, this is very interesting because there is an interview, like there is a, a video, and I will try to put this video in the description of I don't know if it was Ilya or Greg from OpenAI explaining what the model learns in the next token prediction of um, of a generative uh, transformers. What he explains is that it's not only learning how to predict the next token, but it's understanding the word model of like humanity. What does it mean? That it uh, it understands the way we communicate, the way we formulate stuff, the the way the way we think. Maybe this is too much, but honestly, by him saying that, it made sense. And yeah, for sure, it was the best explanation that I ever heard explaining like the next token prediction and then the alignment of reinforcement learning with human feedback. I'm gonna put the video and I advise you all to to watch it. Like it's a two minutes video, way less than this podcast, and I think you're gonna understand very well because honestly. It was the best explanation that I ever had. And it's a guy inside OpenAI, so they're they are way better than me, I would say. Anyways, so yeah, this is important about self-supervised learning. I think that's it. Well, maybe I can also explain the reinforcement learning with human feedback. So the point of doing the, the next token prediction is basically to learn language and the word model itself. But despite knowing language, you don't know how to communicate with humans. And that's what the ChatGPT paper, like there's no ChatGPT paper, but instruct GPT paper proposes is that we first have a supervised learning approach that basically from a prompt, like from an input, there is a human that writes an output and the algorithm learns how to mimic. So basically supervised learning. And then there is the second step that is reinforcement learning from human feedback. So basically the idea is to train a reward model that's going to say how good is the answer of the, the model. So by creating this reward model, we can have our policy that is like the language model generating for the same prompt a lot of answers and you're gonna have the reward algorithm saying which one is better and then one can train the other so you don't need humans to do supervised learning uh, to say which one is better because you have a model saying which one is better and then what it's learning by doing this is that it's learning the best way of communicating you can pass the same information in different ways some ways are better than the others and this is exactly what the model is learning so that's why when you ask something to chat gpt like the answer is very well structured and so on and that's why we can also know that it's ChatGPT because like we don't structure that well the answer most of the times but we should because it's easier to understand so yeah I think that's it uh, maybe talk a little bit about vision transformers so vision transformers is funny because it took four years from the first paper from the attention is all you need paper and they to so they can do vision transformer and and the architecture is exactly the same so like for, they took four years to basically apply it to computer vision having the same architecture and the paper is something like an image is worth a 16 by 16 words and the idea is that they took uh so the input of a transformer is a, is a token like it's an embedding space that comes from the token so what they did is that instead of having the tokens they went directly to the embedding space taking a 16 by 16 patch from the image and i think that what a lot of people lack like they, they let it pass is the fact that 16 by 16 it does exactly the input the embedding space of bird so the embedding space of BERT is 768. You have a 16 by 16 that is 256 times 3, that is the number of channels, six, 768. So 
the input is exactly the pixels and, and has the same embedding space, which is funny. That's why an image is worth a 16 by 16 words or patches. I don't know exactly the name of the paper, but anyways. And uh, yeah, so they took this while to produce the paper. They showed in the paper that yes, it can achieve similar results than CNNs. It's, it's still not better, but we need way more images to do so. And this is something that we verified in practice. I think that that can't have like we have six, seven, eight uh, different algorithms in our pipeline. And uh, some of them are image classifi classifiers and object detectors. Both of them, you can use uh, either CNN or Vision Transformer. And for all our experiments, the CNNs, they were better than the Vision Transformers. Way faster, faster to train and to infer, and, and also better on the results. And uh, for, for the Transformer, like for, for the image classification one, we took a pre-trained state-of-the-art in document classification. That is something that we do. That we do. And we took uh, a ResNet 18, which is a very basic, simple one. And the ResNet 18, it beat the, the pre-trained transformer on document classification. So, well, we didn't understand, but that, that's life. I, actually, we do, because it does make sense the fact that we didn't have like millions of images. I don't know how many images we need to train those transformer models, but uh, apparently it's a lot. And what's the problem of the transformer? Is that it doesn't have any inductive bias related to images. Like if you take a CNN, you have a cat in the top of the image, you have a cat in the bottom of the image, both they are represented the same by a convolution. Like the convolution doesn't need to understand the difference between a cat in the top or in the bottom of the image. It's exactly the same, like by the nature of the convolution itself. And then if you go to a transformer, a cat in the top of the image is different than a cat in the bottom of the image because the nature of transformer. So what they explain is that the model needs way more data to understand the inductive bias. But I say that once it understands, it's better because it's not inductive. It's like learned bias. So uh, that that's something that they explain. And uh, what one thing that is also interesting about transformers is, is with for images is that you are able to do self-supervised learning from masked language modeling that you cannot do from uh, from CNNs because the receptive field of a CNN receptive field is basically uh, where can the model pay attention. It's super it's super small in the beginning because it's basically the convolution that is like a three by three, four by four, and then through each layer the receptive field increases in the in a CNN but in the beginning it's very small so as the goal of a self-supervised learning is learning like the global representation of your input when you are doing a masked language modeling that is basically masking some pixels of the images and you apply a CNN it's basically doing an interpolation because it only has access to the the closer pixels and then by taking access only to the closer closest pixels it, it's an interpolation as the vision transformer it has access to the whole image in the same way it can can pay attention on completely different parts of the image. So you are, the model is forced to learn a global representation of the image. And this is a paper called My Masked um, Autoencoder from Facebook. It's a paper that I really like. And uh, they it was the first time that they managed to do masked language modeling, uh, self-supervised learning for, for images that they use a vision transformer. So yeah, I think that's it. I, I explained a lot of stuff. I hope it was clear and not like in the amount of technical stuff was good. Uh, I would like you guys to answer in the in a question saying if you liked or not if it was good or not also provide feedback is also is always good so yeah uh, don't forget to follow the podcast on social media on instagram we are podcast.life with ai and on linkedin it's all it's only life with ai and that's it see you guys